You're listening to Team Talk on ESPN Radio, 1017 The Team. What Bill accomplished with us, in my opinion, will never be replicated. And the fact that it was done in the salary cap and free agency era makes it even more extraordinary. I thank Coach Bill for his hard work and dedication. It'll be difficult to see him in a cutoff hoodie on the sideline, but I will always continue to wish him continued success, except when he's playing our beloved Patriots. There you go, Robert Kraft. Kind of summer summarizing you know the greatness of bill belichick but it won't be in new england anymore this is team talk i'm joe o'neill more on that later i'm sure it's going to be in the top five uh i'm joe o'neill that's sam hauser here till seven tonight then a a hoops game at eight o'clock suns lakers hoops all weekend uh starting tomorrow night the boys semis of the albuquerque metro tournament and then on saturday the boys and girls finals we'll get to more of that later but in the meantime let's go to top five take it away sam hauser It's time for the Hinkle Law Office's Top 5. Hinkle Law Office is representing motorcycle riders across New Mexico since 1990. Visit HinkleLawOffices.com. Take it away, Sam Hauser. All right, well, it's an emphatic start to who's in, who's out today for Top 5. Of course, who's in, always up first, and who's in is... Oregon Ducks football coach Dan Lanning. He was one of the guys at the top of the list that was rumored to be potentially the next head coach at Alabama. He was a grad assistant under Nick Saban at Alabama, won a national championship there in 2015. Familiar with the SEC overall because he got this job in Oregon in the first place after a couple years as Kirby Smart's defensive coordinator at Georgia. So the stars were aligning there, but... Dan Lanning making it clear all over his social media today that he's not going anywhere. He went so far as to throw out the line about how the grass isn't always greener. How about that? Love that line too there, Sam. Yeah, I mean, Oregon is positioned nicely to move into the Big Ten, and I think he feels pretty good, and I think those folks at Nike are happy, and those Duck fans are also rejoicing there, Sam. In fact, we have a little bit of audio here from Dan Lanning. Please. Emphasizing his point. I'm not leaving. The show goes on. This is my home. They're going to need a wrecking ball to take me out of here. Of course, that was from the Wolf of Wall Street. Of course it was, but probably not too far from that. When uh, Duck fans heard about uh, him sticking around, what else is going on? All right, moving on here uh, with who is in. Of all the sons of famous athletes that are playing college sports these days, one of the lesser-known ones is coming into the Mountain West. So Ken Griffey Jr., his son, Tevin Griffey, is a defensive back playing at Florida A&M. The Rattlers playing college football. Well, he transferred to Boise State. What a week for the Broncos. How about that? Like, uh, A-list celebrities, the number one quarterback coming out of high school, coming over from SC, and Ken Griffey Jr.'s son playing football. I'll tell you what, I used to watch him play football, I mean baseball, and say, 
what anybody that's ever seen him score from first base on that Edgar Martinez line drive down the left field line and saw him like running around second and third, the, the first thing you think of is what he would have been like on the football field. It's interesting that his son is playing football and we'll get to see him, yeah, at uh, Boise State. Anything else there, Sammy? He was always at the top of my list as, as a Reds fan growing up because my dad was a Reds fan, so my brother and I, we became Reds fans growing up. He was always the guy that was at the top of the list of the players where you wonder what could have been if he could have just stayed healthy. Like That was my introduction as a child to what the hamstring was because Griffey was always pulling it or tearing it or doing something to his poor hammy. No, no doubt. And his dad was a great player for the, yeah, the I, Griffey I, Senior. I remember my age, you know, I remember watching his dad play. His dad was part of the Big Red Machine, an all-star player, World Series, and then uh, Junior comes up, like, seems like he could do anything, but he was definitely banged up too much. But the, the epitome of a five-tool uh, baseball player there, Sam. I mean, he had it all. I'm telling you, watch that play. Uh, Seattle and the Yankees, and he scores from first base on an Edgar Martinez um, double down the left field line. You know, it, it's easier, like, well, the, the play was right in front of him. So, so he knew that he was going to go all the way when the player was scrambling, the left field was scrambling to get the ball, and he just turned it on another level. It, you know, beautiful slide into home plate, uh, My one of my favorite all-time baseball moments. All right. Uh, anybody else out, Sam? Yeah, uh, yeah. as we go to who is out, I know this one caught your eye earlier today, so of course I wanted to make sure we put it in there. Changes coming to the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am, finally making some changes with the folks at that tournament. In fact, uh, I believe this is from Golf Week, but the headline reads, Bye-bye Bill Murray, hello best field ever, AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am to showcase several changes next month. Most notably, the highlight of those is cutting down the rounds that the amateurs play to two rounds. Okay, so Bill Murray will still be there for two rounds. But only half the time. Uh, Yeah, and and they've reduced it from four. Was this one of the ones that Erlacher was in? I don't think Erlacher's ever been invited to play in that one. No, no. He's He's been Lake Tahoe is the one. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, he's playing good right now. There might be an interest in him coming. I think he's got his handicap to a two. Uh, But... I, I can't blame these guys. Like, they think it, it I think they, they're good with playing with the celebrity for two days, but those final two days is where these guys make their hay, Sam. That's where they make their money, all right? And, you know, sometimes the sideshows that go along with it while they're playing these holes that are, like, so meaningful to them, I think two days is plenty. It's still going to give us a lot of good stuff. But when guys are trying to make money and make sure they retain their cards and all that stuff, they want it to be a more normal situation on that Saturday and Sunday. The tournament director, Steve John, put a soft, as soft a spin on it as you could possibly uh, you possibly can. Twelfth year overseeing the tournament. For years, I'd hear, I'd love to come to Pebble Beach, but it just isn't working for me. <laughs> <laughs> with four rounds of playing with with these amateurs, these celebrities. That, yeah, that, that and you said the best field that they've had in forever. Because you're gonna, like. yeah, because yeah, yeah, guys are gonna want to play more. Guys than are gonna want to play. Yeah. yeah, you're gonna get the best golfers in the world playing at the very end, and 
just focusing That's on doing what they do best. television. I'm telling you, Pebble Beach, I mean, on a clear day, you can sit there and watch uh, that tournament all day long. All right. Anybody else out? All right, we got a few more things to get to here for who's out. A couple significant injury notes right now. Not listed as out yet as it relates to Wild Card Weekend in the NFL, but Cleveland Browns cornerback Jimmy Ward left practice early today with a knee injury, officially listed as questionable for the Browns' Wild Card game in Houston. And speaking of knee injuries, Eagles wide receiver A.J. Brown held out of practice today after leaving the Week 18 loss to the Giants with a knee injury. Again, this is all ahead of Wild Card Weekend. Some sad news around here for New Mexico United. For all the players that have been coming in, we finally have news of somebody on their way out, but big, big opportunity for him, so we're sad, but we certainly wish him the best. New Mexico United assistant coach Misaki Hemi on now. He got announced earlier today as an assistant coach for the Chicago Red Stars in the NWSL. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, guys, coaching staff keeps, you know, getting good gigs ever since United started around here. We'll miss, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll miss Coach Emmy. Of course, he was the acting. Mac is where he, he went by Mac. That's right. Yeah. Coach Mac, he was the acting head coach in between before Coach Eric Will came on and took over permanently for United. Misaki Hemi, the acting head coach for a road game in Tampa. And now he's on another job there last one for who is out it's a what's out because espn personalities listen into this guys because this came down in the last couple hours and i'm still trying to wrap my head around so embarrassing with a capital m it's really embarrassing espn personalities having to give back their emmy awards after the national academy of television arts and sciences did an investigation and discovered fraud within the ranks at espn that several on-air personalities were given ill-gotten Emmys because they were given different names. Like, for example, the you know the, the story the, the story lays it out here. Just some of the examples of some of the names along the way. Kirk Herbstreet. Now, th- this is all uh, ESPN TV personalities, pretty much limited to Sports Center and College Game Day for the most part. Uh, but Kirk Herbstreet listed as Kirk Henry, Lee Corso as Lee Clark. Tom Rinaldi is Tim Richard. Chris Fowler, I mean, the, the epitome of broadcasting excellence. Chris Fulton. Gene Wojciechowski is Gene Wilson. It goes on and on from there. Yeah. And so what would happen is these Emmy Awards would come in and the plaque would say Kirk Henry. Somebody in the ranks there with ESPN would change it out and have a new plaque that read Kirk Herbstreet. And then give it to Kirk Herbstreit like you won an Emmy. Okay, I'm going to try and explain it. So uh, when a show wins an award, everybody on the show doesn't win an award. Right. Uh, the, uh, uh, the, the just so so with that, am I explaining it right? Yeah. Okay. No, right. exactly. So, so if you're a host of a show like um, Game Day, right? Right. You you can win that award, but then you if the show wins an award generically then you can't double dip and get a second award. Which is exactly what they were trying to do. That's what they were trying to do. And and here's what they were... They were just trying to be uh, really cute about it, all right? Um, many thought ESPN thought the rule preventing on-air personalities from getting uh, statues for a win by the show was stupid. 
So they just kind of decided, all right, well, this is a stupid rule. We'll get back at them, and we're going to do this. And now it's coming back to haunt them. Now, this was years ago. And when it got discovered, like ESPN launched its own investigation, and they had to. And people are giving back statues, whatever. But, I mean, embarrassing uh, as all get out, Sam. And uh, people can read more about it. I mean, yeah. By that logic, we can sit here and say Des Bryant actually caught that ball and Miles Jack knee wasn't down because it's a stupid rule, so I'm going to change the rule. Right, right. All right. Well, like I said, people can read up more. It's, That's it's right. all over the pi- uh, place. What's number four, Sammy? Cool. All right. To the hardwood, looking at some basketball here in town. Last night, the Lobo women taking care of business against Utah State. Lobos win 71-67 at the pit. Wasn't a clean operation in the first half, but the Lobos able to lock in in the second half and hold off a Utah State team that came into last night's game 3-11 overall, 0-3 in the conference. So, I mean, the, the story is the same on the women's side for the Mountain West as it is for the men's side, that you take wins where you can get them. But this was one that the Lobos really had to have against one of the teams towards the bottom of the conference. And, hey... All the counts is they figured out a way to do it. They they did, and primarily that was V. Cumber making threes. Uh, in the second half, the Lobos were 7 of 13 from behind the three-point line, which is really high for them. And V was like the one that was making the majority of it. She uh, really came through. And it was like you said, it was a game that was tight till the very minute. I mean, uh, they ended up winning by four, but uh, the Lobo women's games will keep you entertained. Let me just tell you that. The game against Boise... Close game, they fell short. They get the W against Utah State. What else is going on there, Sammy? We talk about V. Cumber, she and Anaya Augman, both with double-doubles for V, 21 points and 11 rebounds. Her first career 20-point game in Mountain West play in her third season as a Lobo. So congratulations to V and then Anaya Augman, 13 points, 10 assists, 3 steals to go along with that as well. Her first double-double of the season as the Lobos get that win. To the Metro Championships, got the quarterfinals going on last night. A ton of thrillers last night. First round was mostly one-sided, mostly chalk for the teams that were expected to win, but some really interesting games in the quarters last night. We'll start on the boys' side. You had a Trisco Heritage win by two points over West Mesa, and that one is significant because the Jaguars were down 15 at the half. They were trailed by as much as 17 points in this game able to come back and beat West Mesa 64-66. Yeah, the Cleveland Storm in a rematch of the football state championship game. Storm 73-57 over La Cueva. As for the quarterfinals on the other side of the bracket, Sandia with a nine-point win over El Dorado. And then Volcano Vista getting a shot against one of the best teams in Class 4A. That's how this one was tabbed as 4A's best and 5A's best. And... Volcano Vista beats Highland by four points, 62-58. to 58. So the boys' semifinals on Friday night right here on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. You're going to have a, a Trisco Heritage and the Cleveland Storm on one semifinal, and then a rematch of the state championship. The Brown Brothers going to go at it again in the Metro Tournament semifinals. Sandia and Volcano Vista, and the Hawks are going to get to play this game on their home floor. Yeah, I, I'm just looking at this. Like, tomorrow night's game, uh, Trisco Heritage barely getting by West Mesa. So, uh, Steve Heredia able to take down the Mustangs. Sean Schreier, the coach of the Mustangs. Uh, they'll be facing 
the Cleveland Storm, as you mentioned, first-year coach Zach Cole came from Santa Fe High, and um, they beat Volcano Vista down in Hobbs. Yep. So this team obviously thrives you know, in these tournament settings. And then what can you say between Volcano Vista and Sandia? You got Brown squared. You got Danny Brown with Sandia. You got Greg Brown with Volcano Vista, a rematch of last year's Metro Championship, a rematch of the state championship. Let me ask you this. Like, those two guys go, like, they're as competitive as all get out normally, and I guarantee it goes up even when they're brothers on the sideline. So you had a, an older brother, Dan, five years older than you. Any any things that you guys used to have rivalries about? Was there anything, Sam? Not a ton. It was more just the idea, you know, typical younger brother syndrome where I wanted everything that he got. I wanted to do everything he wanted to do. I mean, we would have some some uh, some Nerf basketball uh, Good uh, for you. battles in in his room. You know, the little suction cup on the on the door. Try to get it to quote unquote regulation height, one on one with a basketball that fits in the palm of your hand. We had a, we had a couple nice little games back and forth there, but it wasn't anything like Danny and Greg Brown, and certainly wasn't anything uh, like. You and Brian. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, it, there's so many things. The first thing was we were competitive on who could get to the sports section first in the morning. Like, because my mom made a rule if you got the sports section, you were on the clock. You got it for 10 minutes before you had to relinquish it. But there was something about getting the sports page first that, that oh, you just had to do it. All right. Well, girl, was there ever a case where you got it first and then you tried to spoil something before uh, Brian could read it? I, I, I'm sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because that's sure. the whole thing know, about getting hey, it first. Yeah, did, like, I didn't know Marvin Johnson scored 51 last night against Colorado State. Boy, you know, um, yeah, yeah, but like we had those Nerf games ourselves that inevitably would get, you know, we'd get chippy a little bit and then, you know, you hear your dad upstairs telling you to settle down and then you had to kind of be like buddies again because you were a team then. But when, before dad comes in, you know, you, you were, it's uh, on. Yeah, it's on. All right. Girls, uh, semis. All right. Yeah. So again, just to recap here, the boys semifinals at Trisco Heritage in Cleveland, Sandia and Volcano Vista will have both those games tomorrow night right here on ESPN Radio 1017, the team. Girls semifinals last night will have the championship game for you Saturday. Volcano Vista, 67-45 winners over Gallup. Maybe not to other people, surprising to me. I thought this one might be closer, but that just speaks to obviously, you know, Lisa Villarreal and how dominant Volcano Vista can be. A 22-point win over a perennial state tournament team from Gallup. And then Sandia... 76-48 winners over Rio Rancho. So Volcano Vista and Sandia will play in one semifinal. The other one going a little bit different than we might have potentially anticipated. The first uh, first set of that, not so much. Hobbs, the number one team, a commanding win over Cleveland. But La Cueva grinding one out to the very end. La Cueva Bears, 46-38 over El Dorado. So there will not be... Abella Hines sighting in the, in the semifinals or in the championship game in the Metro Tournament. La Cueva wins 46-38. to 38. I'm telling you right now, teams can look different in March than they do right now, but be on the lookout for this La Cueva team all year. This is a very motivated La Cueva team that felt like they got something maybe taken away from them in the state tournament last year when they were in the semifinal game with Hobbs and one of the players got kicked out of the game when maybe it was the, you know, maybe it was the right call, maybe it wasn't. It was this big controversy. They lose by two to Hobbs. 
This is a team that has its sights set on March big time. All right. The uh, Metro Tournament, you're going to be calling the championship game uh, there on Saturday from Highland. The two games tomorrow night are at Volcano Vista. So you're putting uh, everybody on notice. Watch out for that um, Bears girls basketball team from La Cueva. What's number three, Sam? Three. Three. Yeah, so I mean that one a rematch from state last year. You got a bunch of rematches from state tournament from the state tournament last year here in the Metros coming up. We'll get more into that here a little bit later on as we move on into number three. I'll hit that again. Earlier this week, just based on the calendar day, we passed the 29th anniversary of the last time the Detroit Lions hosted a playoff game. Of course, that'll come to an end this weekend when they host the LA Rams in the wild card round. But it was January 8th, 1994 at the Pontiac Silverdome, a 28-24 loss to the Packers in the wild card round that year. The quarterbacks in that game, Brett Favre and Eric Kramer. The head coaches, Wayne Fonts. Wayne Fonts Oh my goodness. Holmgren, pre-Cleveland Browns Mike Holmgren. Sterling Sharp with three touchdowns in that game, and George Teague with a Packers 101-yard 100 pick six to help him lead the game. Sterling Sharp always has a special place oh. in the child in my childhood heart because anytime that I would go to an arcade and play NFL Blitz, I would almost always be the Packers because Sterling Sharp was one of those guys. It wasn't quite to the level of Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl. But you weren't stopping Sterling Sharp when he's going on a post route. Right. Even before you saw him ever catch a pass, when you hear the name Sterling Sharp is lining up at wide receiver, you're going to pay attention to that. And he was every bit of that. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, what else was going on back in uh, 1990? Yeah, so just to put into context how long ago 1994 actually was. By the way, the, the tickets in Detroit for this game are at like selling for way higher than uh, the regular price on the open market here. There's people doing everything, paying high dollar to get. Yeah, tickets the last to time that. I looked yesterday, the cheapest ticket in there was a little was about a little over three hundred dollars. I'm just going to see if there's an update here right now as far as the cheapest ticket in there. Tickets uh, we're, we're hanging in. We're, we're looking at about four hundred dollars as the get in price. Yeah, and that's not like near the sideline at Ford Field. No, you might be standing on the roof, there looking you go. down into the into the stadium, but. 1994, last time the Lions hosted a playoff game, Mrs. Doubtfire was the number one movie in theaters, having grossed over $60 million, blowing out the competition in the box office. Mrs. Doubtfire, the average al- the average gallon of gas was 99 cents. Dan Campbell was still in high school when nobody knew who Dan Campbell was. And then some things that were invented or introduced to the public later that year that weren't around when the Lions hosted that playoff game at the Pontiac Silverdome. Later that year in 1994, we would get something called Jerry and David's Guide to the World Wide Web. Jerry and David's Guide to the World Wide Web, which would a short time later be rebranded as Yahoo, came around later that year. Amazon came around later that year. The George Foreman Grill, you had to have one of those back in the day. I have one right now. Do you still have one? Of course. Wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Does a good job. Keeps uh, Doesn't make a mess. I mean, it delivers. It's really good with cooking chicken breasts, too. So, no, I absolutely got myself a George Foreman Grill there. Sam. We had one as a kid. I, I didn't like it. 
I did not the, like it, huh? I didn't like the way the hamburgers tasted when they came out of that thing. I mean, now, the whole point <laughs> no, was... that's fine. It's supposed to be healthier than if you're eating one out at a restaurant, which was the point which, you know, an eight-year-old's not going to grasp that or concept. putting them in a cast-iron pan oh, where yeah. it's just soaking. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't the hell... I, I, I just think the, the whole thing from A to Z with cooking a burger on the George Foreman Grill is... Is more than fine. Oh, as an adult, I can appreciate how easy it was to cook and then the cleanup. No doubt about it. They sold quite a few of those last time I checked. I would say so. But yeah, those came out later that year after the Lions' last home playoff game. Hershey's invented cookies and cream later that year. The original PlayStation popped up in Japan, so it wasn't even in the United States yet. The original PlayStation. All of this since the last Lions' home playoff game. Did you ever see Mrs. Doubtfire? I, I probably have seen it at some point later in life as an adult, but... I, I've never seen it. i never seen really? it. No, no, no. We're going to uh, we're gonna have to have a little you, watch yeah, party. Come on over. We'll get some popcorn, and we'll watch Mrs. Doubtfire. What's number two, Sammy? Two. Try to find some old NFL films from that Lions-Packers game, too. Well, speaking of playoff football... Oh, man. Weather... The, the pride of weather games, I get it, but those Detroit fans are going to be happy... That that game's inside Ford Field, whether where the weather's nice and comfy. I will continue to bang my drum on this one. Call it playoff football weather. Call it whatever you want. Call it probably not safe for humans to be outside weather. But that's what we're looking at Saturday night when the Chiefs hosted Dolphins in the wild card round. As of this morning, the forecast at kickoff time in Kansas City on Saturday night called for an air temperature of negative five and a wind chill of negative twenty-four. Yeah, but if any, well, you could throw the Bears in there. I mean, the the Bills in there probably. Too. Well, any of those cold, you know, cities, you know, Pittsburgh, Chi Town, even. But the thing about the Chiefs fans is they get to you know wear their own colors when they're wearing these these ponchos and all these things the to keep the yeah the parkas. Uh, the the hats that cover their entire face, that's the only way you're going to be able to sustain it out there. I mean, the whole thing of, oh, I'm going to, you know, drink some schnapps before I go in. Bad idea. Uh, they The thing is, there's, I, I heard this, there's n- no such thing as, uh, like, bad weather. It's only bad uh, clothing. Okay, so I, there, it, it's, I get what you're you, saying. You get what you're saying. You couldn't care. You could not provide me with enough clothing, though, to make me stand out in that. The, the thing that gets freezing are your legs and your and your your feet and your shoes because you can wear enough layers on the top uh, to stay warm. But man, like for me, the feet, the legs—that's a whole other level of stuff that I don't have access to. But those hunter hunters and fishermen and you know, outdoorsmen, they, they've got stuff to handle all of those kind of places there, Sam. All right, what's number one, man? Well, just in case you have not heard, if we're breaking this to you for the very first time, I'd like to know how you live your life, and let's talk afterwards. But the news of the day in sports came down bright and early this morning. The New England Patriots officially making the decision to mutually part ways with head coach Bill Belichick. We've been hearing the rumors for, for weeks and for months, and it really started picking up going into Week 18 of the regular season. Jay Glazer had a report on the Fox pregame show going into Week 18 that it was a matter of when, not if, and that if ends up being today. 24 years with the New England Patriots, nine Super Bowl appearances, six Super Bowl championships, countless division championships, and everything else in there 
in between. And this is Patriots owner Robert Kraft earlier today. He had a presser on what led to the decision. Well, the last three years have been pretty tough. And I know uh, for our dedicated fans and myself and, you know, in life, I just learn things happen and um, our family is the custodian of this asset, the New England Patriots, and we know how important it is to the psyche of the community and what's gone on here the last three, four years isn't what we want. So we have a responsibility to do what we can to fix it to the best of our ability. Where this really started getting off the ground, it wasn't even week 18. It was a few weeks prior when Boston, Massachusetts hosted the Army-Navy game. And ESPN and College Game Day was up at Foxborough and they had Belichick and they had Robert Kraft and... The tension was palpable, let's put it that way. You could tell that the wheels were already in motion at that point. Interesting, interesting. McAfee right. was trying to get Robert Kraft to break the news, and he wouldn't do it, but you, you you, could tell that it was coming. All right, and you called it over a year ago, or no, uh, in, or before the season started. August 3rd, 2023, Sam Hauser said that this will be the last year for Bill Belichick, and we've got it on at, in New England, uh, and we've got it on tape. All right, we also got... Uh, an interesting uh, set of uh, subjects for our next segment. Okay, we know the NFL playoffs start Saturday afternoon, but the game of the weekend around here comes before that. We'll tell you what that game is, and we'll talk about that game when we come back. Joe O'Neill, Sam Hauser, Team Talk, ESPN Radio 1017, The Team.